five, six, seven, eight. Hey, buddy. Hey, Chrissy. Hey. And hey, everybody else. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking the Curtain. Woo! Now, this is a performer who I thought was absolutely incredible before we met them, but after conversing with them today... I am absolutely blown away. She is such a lovely, talented, and passionate woman, and we are so lucky to have had her here in our studio to share that passion and light with us. And now we get to share all of that love and light and positive energy with you guys, which I really think is the best part of what we get to do as podcast hosts. Not only do we get to speak to these incredible artists, but we get to share their inspiring words with you. You know what? I can't wait any longer. I'm just going to go ahead and introduce our special guest for today, and then we can talk about how much we love the show that she is starring in on Broadway. Today we are chatting with the luminescent Megan Pacerno, who is currently, well, not so currently, playing Christine in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. She was in the role before the pandemic, and it was recently announced that she will be rejoining the Phantom cast when it reopens on Broadway. Which we are both so excited about. But you know what, Joss, I want to know, where did your love for the Phantom of the Opera begin? Well, Chrissy, my love for Phantom will never die. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> that was a little joke for all you fans out there. Fans with a PH. PH. It's really kind of crazy because Phantom of the Opera was actually the show that started my musical theater obsession. Obviously, when I was growing up, movie musicals were a thing. Disney was a huge thing for me. So we knew she loved a musical. But Phantom was the first professional show that I ever saw down in Toronto. I was in the fourth grade, and I believe it was 2007 aging myself just a little bit there. And uh, my dad actually took me to downtown Toronto to see Phantom of the Opera, which I believe was the last time they had a sit-down production of Phantom in the city. I think the last few visits they've had have been from touring casts. It was at the lovely Princess of Wales Theatre. We had beautiful seats in the balcony. And I vividly remember <laughs> needing a booster seat because I was still short. <laughs> but it didn't matter if I needed a booster seat. I was here to see Phantom. And of course, I was just blown away by everything. Um, I loved every single second of it. And my dad must still regret his decision to this day because ever since then, I have been a card-carrying theater kid. Um, and it's all his fault. So when we got home from seeing the show... Uh, just a little bit of backstory. I don't know if my parents understand how truly lucky they are because they saw Phantom of the Opera before it went to Broadway. So the show actually had its out-of-town tryout in Toronto at the Ed Mervish Theatre, which was then known as the Pantages Theatre, which actually had been refurbished completely for Phantom to make its North American debut. So they went to go and see it and they saw Colm Wilkinson and Rebecca Kane in the leading roles. What? Like, how crazy is that? Any theater fan, you tell them that, and it's like, ooh, mind blown. But for them, they were like, yeah, they were good. They were good. They were great performers. It's like, no, but you don't understand. They are the greats. <laughs> All this to say that when they had went, they had purchased the Canadian cast recording, which to this day, I will swear, is the, honest to goodness, best cast recording of Phantom of the Opera there is. And it was so long ago, friends, they bought it 
on tape. Cassette tape. Not a CD. They didn't download it on Spotify or anything. They got it on cassette tape. <laughs> Anyways, after all that rambling, because I love Phantom, Chrissy, please tell the people about your Phantom love story. Sure. Yeah, so... Um, I was already a fan of musical theater at that point in my life when the 2004 movie came out. Um, but my mom was like, <laughs> she, she does not like opera or anything like that. Even musicals that get a bit operatic, she is like, Ugh, not a fan. Her opinion, totally fine. So I was going through a phase where I'd go to Blockbuster and I'd rent like the latest, movies that were out for uh, musical theater films and at the time there wasn't that much really Greece and such obviously but whatever um so Phantom was out and I was like oh this looks really interesting can we rent this one and she was like you're not gonna like that at all and I was like well I don't know about that maybe I will <laughs> she was like okay well we'll rent it but I you won't like it so anyways Maybe it was out of spite that I, I put it on and I was like, I fell in love with it. But <laughs> anyways, that being said, like days later, I took an old shoebox and I started, I took my modeling clay that I had or whatever. And I started building like that little set piece thingy that he has in the film. I don't think it's in the Broadway show, but it is in the film. And it's like a model set of the stage or whatever. I was seriously hooked. And then a few years later, I got to see it on Broadway and I dressed up like to the nines with the phantom earrings on and all that stuff, a bracelet that I bought from playbillstore.com back in the day. Uh, yeah. And I, I remember I bought a mask at the show and I had the cast sign it at stage door. It was just, it's really magical. I love phantom. Oh my goodness. That's so cute. You know, when we talk about playing Christine in phantom, which of course we talk about with Megan a lot in this episode. Um, <laughs> but you know, she is such a hard role, vocally, physically, emotionally, um, especially vocally. Like, whew. you know, Christine is a tour de force character. She's this huge role. And Chrissy and I were actually just talking about this before we started recording this introduction is that it's Christine's story. Like, it's called the Phantom of the Opera, but like, she's the main character. And I feel like we all kind of forget that when we see the show. We're like, oh, haha, ha, Phantom. But no, like, it's her story. And, you know, I think that's one thing that you'll find in this chat with Megan when we share it with you because she gets it. She completely understands who Christine is. And <laughs> I'm so excited for you guys to listen. I'll let her explain it. <laughs> should we call on her now? I think we should call on her. Yeah? Christine! Christine! <laughs> And we are so excited to be welcoming Megan Pacerno to Breaking the Curtain. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You know, we actually have wanted to message you for a while to have you come and join us uh, mm -hmm. to talk about Phantom. <laughs> Funnily enough, I actually had my tickets booked for May 2020, and I was so excited to see you. <laughs> and of course, the pandemic happened. So having you here today is really special for me oh likewise I mean oh my gosh also now we're on the horizon cross your fingers yes. knock on all the woods like it's it's coming it's coming we're on a countdown now so <laughs> it will be so soon love love Canada Yay. so we wanted to start right at the very beginning we know that you've done musical theater we know that you've done opera 
And so we wanted to ask, when did your performance journey and passion really begin? Um, kind of randomly, to be honest. Um, I also, to be really honest, I, I was definitely one. I'm in the camp that didn't know this is what I wanted to do from birth. Uh, much more science and math related you know, want to be a doctor. Uh, but like music was always a part of my life. I was a classical pianist since a very young age. And then I was like, I love jazz. And then like was in the jazz band and everything. And then I was like, I'm too cool for school. And uh, which now I look back and I'm like, mom and dad, did you know what you had with the piano? But that's okay. I probably would never listen to them anyway, because <laughs> I'm so stubborn. Um, and so then I just for fun, really, uh, in high school, I auditioned for the school musical, which was Music Man. And as a freshman, Scandalo uh, was cast as Marion. It was big, big scandal, <laughs> upset. And, um, and again, like that was just I was I wasn't raised on musicals. Um, uh, but but music was always in my house. Like there would always be like anything from classical music to rock music. I actually my favorite, I would say, like music genre is rock mm. I, I think in a past life I was a rocker but I came out of the color a tourist classical soprano but that's okay next time <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah so uh, and then subsequently I did I was the lead in each musical um, in high school each year and then uh, my senior year there was something called all-state theater and it's where all of I grew up in Chicago a suburb of Chicago and um all of Illinois auditioned for a pirate Pirates of Penzance was the production and I was cast as Ma uh, Mabel and so that was my first little toe into singing slightly more classical and that that show also you know it's funny I I love everyone that I had a great childhood but like my life has so many different shedding of skins that I'm not really in touch with a lot of people back in high school but the people that I met in all state, we still are friends. I mean, like, you know, I mean, it's amazing, like, how everyone's path, like, one is a big soap opera star, wow. one is this, like, baller commercial real estate guy, like, another person, she's saving the world, like, she oh. was in the Peace Corps in Africa, and now she's a doctor. I mean, like, amazing people, and, like, these people I still keep in touch with, and so it's really cool to see, like, how everyone's paths went, and um, so anyway, so, and to back up a smidge, uh, the year before, um, I, oh, I speak French actually a little bit, Ooh. not Canadian French, but I do speak French. Nice. <laughs> and so my French class, we went to, uh, Romeo and Juliet by Gounod and, um, Carmen, obviously these are the big ones, uh, at Chicago Lyric. And that was the first time I had ever been exposed to opera as opera, you know, not just a commercial or in like cartoons, but like went to see an opera and I was like, oh, this is. <laughs> this is amazing like I and like I just I always tell the story because it's true and I remember like my entire class was just like like so bored and I was like this is the best day ever and I was seeing what's happening right now like you know and I love languages and I love just like the vocal acrobatics that were happening in front of me and I, I couldn't comprehend like how incredible this was really so also for fun I just started taking classical voice lessons, um, and that, that was like the beginning of the spark, right? And so that and Allstate, and then I went to college, and there was a guy, literally, I, I do not know who this man is, and I wish I did. I don't even know if he's around anymore, but 
uh, he was from a festival called Ravinia Festival, which is a very famous music festival down uh, in the Chicagoland area. And he was like, follow your dreams and your passions. And I was like, oh, my God, he's talking to me. <laughs> and I auditioned into the School of Music and I got in for opera, which like I was like, what am I doing with myself? And so uh, I got in because I was like, I want to sing. And my parents were like, doctor. And I was like, sing and doctor, sing. And so uh, <laughs> and then and then I was like, well, okay, if I'm going to be an opera singer, I'm going to go where Mozart lived. Like, that was literally, like, my thought process. So I went to Vienna, and I studied abroad. I went to the Wiener Conservatorium and the International Europäische Studenten. And anyone that's German is killing me for my accent. I know, I know. It's been a minute. Uh, and so uh, that, cha that also changed my life. Um, being in Europe, I realized how much – also, I have huge wanderlust. Like, I love – I just love to travel. I love languages. I love different cultures, different people. I just, I love it all. Like I can't get enough, which is why, as I'm sure you know too, like this year has, there's so many layers of like feeling trapped or feeling like, uh, like I can't wait to just travel and talk to people that don't speak my language. And so anyway, so um, went to Europe. It's a journey. In the meantime, my parents, my dad used to work for Pfizer actually, and uh, moved to New Jersey. And, and I was like, New Jersey, which again, I had no idea what I was talking about, but I was like, Jersey, like, honestly, I'm thinking like what Jersey Shore, like actually he's quite beautiful, I have to say. <laughs> and so, um, so we moved to New Jersey, uh, while I was studying abroad. And so when I came back, I actually didn't go back to Illinois. I went to New Jersey. Uh, and, <laughs> and it's funny too, because I, like I said, I had a great childhood in Chicago and Chicago rocks. It's great. But I always remember feeling like I never fit in fully. I just like, it didn't like, there was always something that I was like, I don't know what it is. And again, it's not like I was like traumatized. I had a great time there, but I just, I never felt like I fit in. And it's because <laughs> in hindsight, I remember my mom and I took the train into New York for the first time ever. And I, again, another aha moment. My life is just kind of strung like pearls like this. We got off the train into Penn station and I was like, I was like, oh, oh, now I know why. Uh, it's because I'm supposed to be here. And so I remember I was like, put your phone away, mom. We're New Yorkers. And we totally got lost. Like, you know, but I'm like, don't you look at your map. Like, you know, like, and so, uh, yeah, went into New York and I was just like, wow, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. And, um, again, just like I was like, I need to go where Mozart lived. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is where I will be going to school. I will, I will be going to grad school in New York. Yes. And so little, little Megan, bold Megan, uh, from Illinois <laughs> got a list of, I went online to, um, Juilliard and Manhattan School of Music and the Metropolitan Opera. And I literally just like looked up people who taught because I didn't know what I was doing right like you like here's the thing like when you're especially in opera a lot of people have they've gone to performing arts high schools they've known since they were like nine they wanted to do this and I'm only like three years in basically <laughs> and um so I just emailed people and I was like hello my name is Megan and I would like to study with you but here's the crazy thing everyone um and it's a, a lesson I think I tell a lot of my students is be bold you're right because a lot of people say yes and a lot of people did say yes. So the first lesson I ever had in New York City was in the basement of the Metropolitan Opera in a rehearsal room. 
with who I found out later was so profound. His name was Nico Castell. He later has passed. But um, yeah, and so he became one of my champions. And so I... I, and then I walked into Manhattan School of Music and I was like, yes, this is where I want to go. This is where I shall go, blah, blah, blah. Audition got in. And, um, and then I went there for school. Didn't know what I was doing, honestly. Uh, and didn't, yeah. Okay. And also in hindsight, I kind of wish I hadn't gone to school for it. I don't think you actually have to, like truly. And, and I, I really mean that because, you know, it's expensive here in America and you don't, you don't need to go. You don't need to go for it. You really don't. You're better off just like going to Europe and getting real life experience. But Neither here nor there. That was my path. There it is. Have massive student loans still. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so, I mean, met some wonderful coaches there, truly. Anyway, so, but here's another thing, too. I graduated from grad school, and you'd think by then I would be like, yes, this is my path. And I was like, what did I just do? <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, Megan, you just changed majors. You went to Europe. You came back. You went to New York. Now you're out of grad school, and you're like, so I guess I'm going to be an opera singer? And, um, and then my life really, it was interesting. Like no one really prepares you for when you get out of school. Right. Um, they just don't, uh, I think no matter where you go to conservatory, it's, they get, you have blinders on when you're there at school and it's so not real life. And I would say 0.0001% coming out of conservatory, get a job right away. And here is an honest fact too, is you don't really know you want to be in the biz until you're out of it and all you have to do to sacrifice for it. And another thing, too, that I really always want to impart is I was not born into a wealthy family. Like, they helped me as much as they could, but my dad lost his job when I was in grad school, which means suddenly I fully was supporting myself. And opera particularly is a very, very expensive endeavor. So I ended up supporting myself, um, financially at least. Like another thing I in part always is it takes a village. You are never, you can never do this alone. Like that's why, you know, it's drop your ego at the door because there are so many people. It really takes a village to uplift you, to get you where you need to go and continue going. And so here I was like working literally 60 hours a week. I literally had holes in my shoes. I was a personal assistant. I was a deli. I was doing all of this. And then I would come home at like one or two in the morning, exhausted, study my music. And I was like, what life choice did I just make? Like I made, I have a brain. I could be like in med school right now. Like what was I doing? And then, and it was hard guys. It was hard. And like another crazy fact is, you know, the people that I went to school with at Manhattan School of Music are some of the most talented people I had ever met in my life. And truly, there's only like three of us that are actually doing this. And it's because of that, right? It's so hard. It's such a hard lifestyle, but rewarding. So, but here's the thing too. I always knew deep down that I was going to do something. I just didn't know when or what. So I started having a career in Europe, actually, with opera. And now this is where we go to Broadway. Okay, it's coming. It's coming. So I'm singing in Spain. And I get back from Spain. And again, pure Megan fashion. I, I had agreed to sing a concert on the Upper East Side here at like a she-she, you know, place. And right off the plane. I mean, so many things could have gone wrong if it was delayed. Like, also, I got off the plane and I was like, what was I thinking? I'm super jet lagged. I'm so tired. I mean, like, I'm literally, like, as a movie, changing into my gown in the Uber. Like, sir, don't look back here. And, like, warming up. I'm so tired. I'm like, this was so dumb. 
you've done it again, Megan. Like, what is happening? And so then I go, I sing, and the pianist, my friend Michael, was like, hey, while you've been singing in Spain this whole month, New York City Opera has been looking for their leading lady in their new revival of Candide by Bernstein. And I was like, oh, crap, Michael. I fired my agent. I have no agent. Oh, my gosh. Like, because I sang Glitter and Be Gay, by the way. That was one of the arias I sang at this performance. Luckily, like I said, there are so many... um, I call them my fairy godmothers. They're a very powerful, wonderful group of women who uplift me constantly, also keep me on the ground, (laughs) but like they're wonderful. And so they're very um, important people in the business too, but just beautiful souls. The universe sent me them and I'm always eternally grateful. So anyway, so they called the head of New York City Opera, also another Michael, Michael Capasso, and they're like, you gotta hear this girl. You got to hear her. So on a lunch break of theirs, I go in and I sing Glitter and Be Gay as like my crazy weird self. And I don't think anything of it, right? Because I'm still rather fresh out of school. And um, and then I got a call back and I was like, oh, okay, that's great. And so I go in and opera and music theater are very different when it comes to auditioning amongst many other things, but truly very different. Like, you know, when you go in an opera audition, you have your book of arias in five, six different languages, different styles that are your voice type. Um, You've been working on them forever, blah, blah, blah. You go in, usually like you're in like what we call Soprano Cove, which is like right in like, you know, like you're nestled kind of near the piano. And so this one, we were at the Domena Center, which I have a fun fact about Swirlina with that one too. Um, And there are like, I don't know, there are so many people in my audition, which I'm like, this is so weird. Because usually there's only like two, three, four people in your like opera audition. There are like 10 or 15, I don't even know, so many. And I was like, okay, weird. And now the Domena Center is this beautiful uh, orchestra hall uh, where there's a lot of uh, rehearsal, et cetera here in New York and it's massive. And so like here, the piano is way back here and I'm there starting my like opera audition. And then all of us, and like they're way down there, uh, all the adjudicators, if you will, the the auditioners. And there, (laughs) as I start to sing glitter, there is an older gentleman who's like, honey, could you come closer? Could, could you come closer? And I'm like, really? So like, I'm like, da, 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 like singing and like getting, before I knew it, I could almost touch them. And I was like, okay, this is a little uncomfortable. Like we're really close right now, like really odd, but fine. And then, so as I'm also singing, he's turning down the table to the other, those who are, you know, auditioning me. And he's like, well, she's fantastic isn't she she's fabulous and like in my mind i'm like wow this is great like i have a personal cheerleader here at my but it's also very distracting like i'm like staying in it you know but like i'm like great 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 well anyway so the song ends by the way that man was hell prince so anyway which i didn't also again look i wasn't raised on musicals or anything like that so luckily for me i was ignorant of who I was auditioning for and this and that. I mean, he's the Steven Spielberg of, of Broadway and, you know, absolute legend. And also another woman behind there was Pat Birch, who is also one of my fairy godmothers. I mean, if any of you have seen Grease, that's hers. She's choreographer, you know, um, amongst every other amazing dance show. So anyway, so get a callback 
And then, and also another interesting fact is I remember looking around, and this is why you just don't compare yourself. Everyone there was like tall and blonde, and here I am this petite little like brunette. I didn't look like anyone there. And like, honestly, a lot of them were rather famous opera stars. And like, here I am, this like kind of newbie that's like, and I didn't think anything of it. I was like, whatever, I had fun, blah. So then, uh, like a month later, I got this email that's like, hey, do you want to be the lead of this? And I was like, yeah. So uh, I was surprised, honestly. I didn't think anything of it. But so I got the lead. And that's Candide at New York City Opera is where my life changed. Absolutely. Absolutely changed. Uh, I was all set to be in Paris to be singing at the opera house there. And I didn't go. Uh, crazy. Let me tell you. So here's, here's where things shift. And this is why another thing that's very important I think to young performers is just to keep an open mind you never know what's gonna twirl your way we're in Candide and it is one of those magical casts like we actually still have a text thread four years later but we're talking stars like because Hal brought all these people in Chip Zine, Greg Edelman, Linda Lavin, Jay Armstrong Johnson I mean just absolute legends in our business and it was run like a Broadway show, not an opera, which also was like guh -guh to me. I, I mean, I did my first ever five show weekend, two show days. I had never heard of such a thing. I was like, are you nuts? Like, I was like, what is this tomfoolery? Like, this is insane. You know, we have our orchestra dress. Then we have a dress rehearsal with an audience on the day of our opening night. This does not happen in opera. And like my agents even thought it was a mistake and like, you know what I mean? Like they were like, this isn't the right kind of schedule. No, it was. So anyway, so um, I learned so much and I loved the process because again, it was run more like music theater, like Broadway than it was opera. Where like, usually when you go into a show in your opera, you're memorized, you're ready to go. Well, not in Broadway. Like you kind of know the music, but you organically learn it together, which actually I think is awesome because you come together as a group and learn it together. And, but it's a fast learning curve and like, you better be on your A game, right? So anyway, so midway through the rehearsal process for Candide, Hal, Prince, and Pat Birch, they talk, they like sit me down and they're like, listen, kiddo, um, would you ever want to do Broadway? And I was like, I mean, I never really thought about it before. Like, I mean, that sounds cool. Yeah. Like, I just, look, I don't know if you could tell, but like, I love people. I love performing. I don't care what kind of medium it is. I don't care what language. Um, I love just performing. It can be on screen. It can be on stage. It can be, I don't, I just love performing. So I was like, this sounds great. So, um, Candide, massive success. Like, I mean, how could it not be? That cast was insane. It was so good. Um, and, oh, Brooks, Brooks Ashman. I mean, just like everyone was just insane. They were so great and so humble, by the way. So amazing. I think that was the other thing, too. You don't have to be an awful person to be successful. And, like, there they were, these successful Tony-nominated, Tony award-winning people that were just lovely and hardworking. Anyway, so... I'm like, sure, Broadway sounds great. So Hal sits me down in his office, and he's like, so, <laughs> have you seen Phantom of the Opera? And I was like, no. By the way, when you fast forward to me being in the world tour, I remember talking to the producers and I was like, can I tell this story? Because it's really embarrassing. And like, I don't want to like, you know, and they're like, you can. And I was like, okay. So I was, I was so embarrassed. I was like, listen, how? Like, I mean, I saw the movie once, but I, I know. Like, I've seen like two Broadway shows my whole life, you know? Uh, and he's like, 
I think you should see Phantom and get you tickets. And I was like, okay. So I I sat in his box. It was a Saturday night. Allie Ewalt was my first Christine. She's so lovely. Um, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, yeah, like I yeah, like I get this. Like I was like, this is amazing. And like it was sold out house. Um, I remember everyone like leapt to their feet. A standing ovation, which by the way, doesn't always happen in opera. I had never seen a response like this, and I was like. Oh my God, this is like 30 years later and these people are just so excited about this show. And also as an opera singer, like, you know, there's a lot of parts in Phantom that kind of poke fun at opera. And I thought it was hilarious. Like this is really how it is. Like, I mean, it's just funny and like brilliant, obviously. So then he's like, Hal, Hal's like, so Phantom. And I was like, so Phantom. And so, but he's like, what? He's like, listen, there's a new old show that's coming to America for the first time. And I was like, new old show? What does this mean? And he's like, it's called Love Never Dies. It's the sequel to Phantom of the Opera. And I was like, oh, I didn't know there was a sequel. In fairness, though, I had just seen Phantom for the first time in my life, too. So, again, this has nothing to do with me. I just didn't know. So um, so I watched the movie, which, honestly, Anna O'Byrne, oh, like chef, chef. Stellar and love also lovely human, may I say. And so I watch it and I'm like, ooh, I like how strong Christine. She's kind of badass and fierce in this one. Like, because she's grown into herself, right? And so he's like, it's coming to America for the first time. And look, I mean, it was first on London. They it didn't do as well as they'd liked. They rewrote it, and it was a smashing success in Australia. That's what's coming to America. And I was like, awesome. So I auditioned for uh, Tara Rubin casting, which again, casting agents, they don't really do an opera. So lovely shout out to Tara Rubin. Cause so nice. And, and my audition process was very, very different. I came to found out than the rest of my castmates in love never dies. Um, I sang for the casting agent and then two months, three months later, I sang for Andrew Lloyd Webber himself. Meanwhile, my castmates, I find out literally went through like nine to 10 auditions because Andrew was finding, like, this is his baby, you know, and, like, was trying to find, not trying, he succeeded, again, stellar cast, um, the perfect cast to premiere his body of work in America for the first time. So, anyway, I, um, I sing for Andrew, and yes, I knew who Andrew Lee Weber was, so, um, but, again, coming from the opera world, I was like, oh my god, a living composer, I'm so excited, like, I wasn't nervous, I was more just like, this is awesome, because I'm a colorist tour soprano which means most of my rep you're talking like queen of the night i mean it's been a minute since i've done that but like you know they're long past they're epic composers that are gone that i can't ask them so here i am more like a school girl like being like i can't wait to ask andrew so many questions <laughs> so so i who am i like you know nobody and so well someone to be but so i get into my audition and andrew's there and he like leaps up from the table and my audition ended up being more like a coaching for 45 minutes. And like, oh, here's another thing, too, for any young ones listening. So in opera, like I said, you know, you have your book that you've been working on for like a year plus. Well, Love Never Dies gave me literally a packet of music. Of, I got, I don't know, I got to say like 40, 50 pages. And they're like, can you learn that by tomorrow? And I was like, okay, sure can. <laughs> and like the perfectionist in me was like, oh, my gosh, this is not going to be like perfect, right? And like, I have to hold the music. And they're like yeah, that's, that's okay. Like that's, they want to see like, and I was like, Oh, okay, fine. So anyway, so here we are having this coaching and it was awesome. And I also remember Andrew being like, do you have anything from the other one meeting phantom? And I was like, Ooh, maestro, not yet. No. Um, Cause I had never done anything from phantom before at that point. Right. So 
And it's not to knock Phantom. I just didn't, right? So anyway, so three hours later, I was cast as Christine in his show uh, of Love Never Dies, his U.S. premiere, which, by the way, fastest casting ever in my life. Like, literally, that's what I call, and they're like, yeah, they'd like you to open um, Love Never Dies. And I was like, amazing. That's so cool. So didn't go to Paris to sing opera, by the way. I was like, I got to try. I was like, so there's something about this that's obviously so meant to be and so interesting. So, and, and I also remember Hal was like, you know, being on tour, especially a premiere, he's like, you are going to learn so much, like basically five, six years worth of uh, just experience in one year than if you ever did in a long running Broadway show. And I was like, and he was right, by the way, like just everything, like what are opening nights like, you know, like doing the crazy travel schedule where, you know, you're doing five show weekends. That's an eight show week. You know, I did six shows like the normal Christine, but still. And then on your travel, your day off quote is a Monday where you travel. And then Tuesday you have sound check and then you have opening night, the opening night party. And then you have press three days and then you have reviews and then you go do it again every week. And it's insane, guys. It's insane. So uh, learned so much, went to 41 cities around the country, was a huge success because Love Never Dies is beautiful. It's so gorgeous. And um, so about, again, midway through that, about Kristen Blodgett, who now also is one of my fairy godmothers. She's a badass babe, uh, female conductor, just, I just, oh, she's amazing. So she came to me and was like, hey, listen, um, Andrew Hal and I were talking and we're going to be, there's going to be a new world tour revival that's based on the New York production, the Broadway production. Do you want to open it? And I was like, yes. <laughs> sounds awesome. I was like, this is so cool to like basically Benjamin Button and go back to like my younger self after living my older self as Christine. And obviously too, like it's the OG. It's so cool. So Love Never Dies closed after being about a year and a half on tour. We closed December 6th. And then three weeks later, I was on a plane to Manila. I celebrated New Year's on the plane. Um, and we built Phantom from the ground up, which also, how many people can say they can do that, right? It's cool. And here's a fun fact, guys. So a lot of help people that he brought to Candide, well, they're Phantom people. So like when I say Phantom is literally like my family, they literally are because like, so a lot of the same characters, if you will, like that were, you know, the directors and choreographers, well, they're the same people that were in Candide and Love Never Dies. So it was this like cross-pollination and they came over to Manila. We built the ground up in three months of Phantom. And then here we are like this international cast and we premiered it for the first time in a couple cities that I was in, like Kuala Lumpur, Tel Aviv. And like, let me tell you what that's like, right? This like epic show that's been around longer than we've been born. And you, you show it to an entire country for the first time. It's epic. Um, it's such a cool experience to share with everyone. And also to really, truly have it thrown into your face in the best way of how even if the people don't speak english they understand phantom right and it's so magical that this show can touch so many people all around the world and then so here's the thing too i also had to keep a huge amazing secret which was it was always the plan that i would open the world tour and then after about six months on tour i would be transferring to broadway so i knew the whole time that i was going to be coming to broadway and i had to just be like lock it down, like couldn't even tell my parents, like, ah, and so, and that was such a beautiful, again, like everything about it is just so meant to be and gorgeous because, you know, um, yeah, so I 
My last city on the world tour was Tel Aviv, which was bittersweet because I loved my world tour family. And But I was also so excited to make my Broadway debut with, again, my family because Fun fact, random, maybe not so randomly, like a lot of the people that are on stage in Phantom are my friends from different lives, like life paths. I randomly know them. And so everything about it was perfect. So I made my Broadway debut October 16th. And that was cool, too, because my world tour family was making their debut in Dubai on the same day. So like it was just this kind of like kismet, gorgeous thing. And um yeah, so made my Broadway debut literally with my family. I had a hundred people in the audience that like again, all these like it was just so magical. There's a video of me literally jumping up and down on my Broadway debut bow, which I like halfway through a jump was like, Are you hopping right now? And I was like, yeah, hopping. <laughs> And like, it was just, and, but here's also a sad thing. So Hal, again, who had taken me under his wing, um, as my mentor, as a mentor, he passed one month before I was supposed to go into rehearsal for Broadway, which was devastating for me because I mean, you know, this, he was one of these men that just apps humans that changed, literally changed my life. He and Andrew and Pat, like so many of these, you know, people. And so I was, I was pretty devastated that, he passed right before I got there. And then, um, and then of course, so we're running along with, with Broadway and then the shutdown happens. And like, it's so, uh, surreal on so many points, but you know, it's part of me wonders. I'm like, did how, I don't know how somewhere in the universe right now, just looking down and being like, well, kiddo, guess what? <laughs> now you're also part of a historic part of Broadway and phantom. Like, you know, it's, it's surreal. It's surreal. So there's my not so short at all saga of how I'm currently Christine on Broadway. <laughs> and here we are about to reopen again. Cross your fingers. Um, we had a new rehearsal at the end of September, which again is historic because for the first time ever since Phantom was, you know, in its inception, you're going to have everyone come together and build the show up again and premiere it again. And that's, so it's really, um, it, it's it's I don't know I don't even know how I feel about it it's so surreal to think that that's that's happening so uh it's yeah so there we go guys there we are oh lady I'm from Chicago we say guys it's a bad habit um so there we are there there I'll let you talk now <laughs> no seriously I loved every second of that thank you <laughs> no, for that sharing was seriously amazing you answered like three or four of my questions all at once <laughs> I love it I really think that's such a wonderful story and it really does seem to be full of meant to be exactly like you said. I would also listen to you talk all day. So don't worry about that at all. I'm starved for humans right oh, now. Oh, us so. too. Us too. <laughs> anyway, Believe me. so there you are. <laughs> so are we. So are we. So you're Christine on Broadway. What do you love the most about being her, about getting to play her? You know, what's really interesting I think I'm the only person who's gone backwards, actually. I think I'm the only Christine that started as her older self and then went backwards. And there's only yes. a handful of us that have done both. Actually, really a consummate, full experience as an actor. On the other hand, too, you kind of have to forget where she goes because she doesn't know her future. But you know where she ends up, right? So you mm -hmm. know those seeds are there. Mm -hmm. And with Love Never Dies, it wasn't written, obviously, when Phantom first came out, but it is. And you can't ignore that fact. And what's really cool about that, though, is it allows younger Christine to be so much stronger than in incarnations past, right? And yes, 
Phantom is timeless. It also is a period piece, so there's only so much you can do where then suddenly it doesn't make sense uh, strength-wise, especially for young Christine. But what I love, and, and I'll get to the Christine herself, but also the creatives, I mean, Seth and everyone on Broadway is, at first I was a little concerned that they were going to have me play her like a little girl. And now she is a young girl, of course. Like, in fact, one of the challenges I have as Megan, as a firebrand little petite firecracker that's Italian, is actually remembering and living what that naivete is when you're mm -hmm. 17, 18, right? I mean, like, I, I was that, even though I am a mm -hmm. strong, passionate mm -hmm. person now. Mm -hmm. We all are that mm -hmm. at some point, Absolutely. if not many yeah. times in our lives. So, mm -hmm. you know, the challenge of having that romantic, la vie en rose, you know, just like rose-colored glasses, hoping and wishing that everything is this beautiful world when it's so much more complicated, um, but then again, too, having the license and permission to really have a strong Christine is really amazing. And I think it's really, you know, and it is difficult, though, right? You know, uh, I mean, one thing, she has to have the journey. Young Christine and Phantom has to have the journey of becoming a woman. And she isn't even the fully formed woman that she will be in Love Never Dies, right? And again, it's turn of the century. It's not 2020. She's not woke. Like, she's not, she doesn't have the ability to be the feminist that we are now. She was not, she did not have that capability, right. but it doesn't mean she didn't have strength, right? Exactly. And exactly. I think something too that I think is extremely important to remember about her too is she's, okay, she's 18, 17, 18, but she's 7, 18 that's an orphan yes. that is on her own to fend for herself mm -hmm. that's in Paris. I mean, like that that's not an 18-year-old that we know now, nope. right? Like nope. that is not a child. It is childlike qualities, but it's like she's grown up in many ways who has yep. had a lot of darkness and a lot of pain in her mm -hmm. life, a lot of loneliness. Mm -hmm. And actually, you know, to wrap in the pandemic, quite frankly, this this experience, at least for me personally, as an artist, that feeling of abandonment and feeling of loss. I mean, I'm sure like many I mean, I, I lost many people to COVID many you know, and having that at the forefront of your mind, knowing what that's like, that pain, uh, there's another level I know that all of us are going to experience when we get back in Phantom. And as Christine herself, too. You you realize that Christine is so complex, actually. And in my opinion, and, and like what I love about Seth, who's our director, and, you know, he's always game to talk. And I, I you know, I always ask him, because my, my impression of Christine is, you know, like attracts like. And She's not, she's a, she's a prodigy. She's a genius, you know, and she's passionate and she has beautiful softness, but there's darkness in her that is extremely attractive, which is why she's so attracted to the soul of Phantom. Well, I also think, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, what if it's like Stockholm syndrome? I disagree with you fully. She chooses to go through that mirror. Completely. And also, like, especially now that all of us have been on lockdown, wouldn't you go through that? Yeah. Yeah. I would. I mean, like, come on now. Like, yes. I sure would think about that. Like, the life she's living is not great. And there is this fantastical possibility of something. Now, was he maybe taking advantage of her naivete and working off the fact that, like, she thinks it might be, like, an angel sent from her father? Yes. Totally. He's manipulative. But so is she, yes. honestly, in a fascinating way. Mm -hmm. This is why I think it's so complex. She's not as... She's not as simple as I think, or like flighty, or oh no, 
No, right. no. Right. She chooses also, this is what's difficult for me, Megan, because I've done this in my life too, is she chooses to give her power to him. She has to take it back, right? She chooses to do these things. Mm-hmm. Even as a young child that's kind of an adult still, she chooses to do that. And that's the difference between a Christine that's just kind of taken over as opposed to wanting to be taken over, right. wanting right. to be transported somewhere else that's not this doldrum of a sad life, mm-hmm. you know? like, And that fantasizing, I also do that. And something else that I really, really resonate with uh with Christine is music is such a foundation of who she is and that is why in my opinion she would never be able to truly choose Raul because he doesn't understand it and that's like me too and I would never be able to be with a partner that does not on a fundamental level understand what music means to same me. yeah it's in my soul it's mm-hmm. in my fiber and if you don't understand that we will never understand each other in a way it it just it's it's a whole deeper meaning which is another reason why she and the phantom are actually a match and with something that i'm slightly off topic again but like you know phantom is a genius but society because of how he looked honestly turned him into a monster what would it be like if if society had accepted him for his deformities you know like he and it's interesting too. Like when I dive into a role, no matter how melodramatic or big, because here's the thing too. Hal always taught me too. He was like, no matter how massive, right? Because Phantom is larger than life. It is a melodrama. The seed of truth has to be absolutely genuine, and then you can be as large as you want and over the top almost. But it's genuine, and that is true. It is genuine. Everything she feels, like I go through that heartbreak and, and abandonment and and uh, betrayal and, it, you know, yeah, taking your power back. I mean, Final Lair is my favorite scene because suddenly, like, she is really, I mean, like, yes, she's being thrown around and all of this, but also, like, she's taking it back and she has to make an impossible decision. And in fact, she makes an impossible decision, you know? Phantom gives her two choices. She takes a third, which is she shows him compassion, and which actually I think takes a lot more strength. And I personally think she would choose herself at the end if she could, but she can't. It's turn of the century. She has no choice, actually. And I think also she would choose the Phantom if she had to choose a man, even though she goes with Ralph. That is my opinion. But, um, but I love her because she's fragile but she's strong. You know, we see her also make so many decisions that you're like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? But also, let's take a second here. How many times have you fallen for the wrong partner? I sure have. Many How times. many times have you like given your power away to someone that does not deserve it? Oh, I yeah. sure mm-hmm. have. You know, yep. I don't want Exactly. Like yep. it's true actually. Like it's it's very true that like we all sadly I think it's part of the human condition, but like I think most of us have done that at least once, if not twice or more. And, um, yeah, I, I just, she's so vibrant and yeah, I, you know, and like also too, like think of me, my favorite part in think of me, is actually not most of the song. It's the end when she realizes everybody who's in the arts that starts to have a career knows this moment where like, you know, your life is changing and that's mm-hmm. the end of think of me is she knows that she is doing what she's destined to do. That for me was Glitter and Be Gay, by the way. Like that moment that I first sang it at New York City Opera, even though I had a career before, it was that moment. That's my think of me. 
So like, there's so many things about Christine that I, I love. And, and like, I hated sometimes too, and thought I was like, oh, she's so weak. That was me being like, oh, it's because I don't want to admit my own weakness, which makes me a consummate human, by the way, and strong female, because all of that makes you strong. And that's her. You know, it's just her as a younger version of what she's going. It's just, I love her. I absolutely love her. I love how she lives into her fantasies. I love that. Like, I just, I love that she loves darkness. I mean, if read the book. Yes. I, I think the book is very different and also drags in certain places. Totally, but totally. I find it fascinating of like what she was like as a child. I, I really like, you know, she didn't grow up on Disney tales. She yeah. grew up on some really dark, mm-hmm. like like really crazy stories like you know read the real little mermaid that's not little mermaid those grimm's brothers are dark man and that's what she loves like little lottie is dark but also i don't know maybe i'm a scorpio and that's why but like i love the darkness like it's so intoxicating and interesting so she's just as dark as she is just like phantom there's my spiel (laughs) you know i am so glad that you said all of that because I love Christine. I think she's one of like the strongest female roles on Broadway. You know, she does so much. She grows so much. And I feel like she always gets kind of overlooked when you're talking about those strong female leads. Exactly. She does so much. And she's not, She. I, I think that's the thing too, is like as time has evolved for us, she's no longer the girl that's like, I have been taken up. No. No, 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 not at all. And you're right. Like, I think a lot of people may not think that she is as strong as she is, but she really is actually, you know? And it's, yeah, I love her. I absolutely, I mean, like, I love her. And like, my time with her will be coming to an end um, soon, you know? I mean, like, but that's, this is what makes Phantom magical, right? Like, it's the legacy. Like, I will be passing the crown to the next beautiful actor who will be also embodying her and I like I can't like this show has been so profound to me and I can't wait to let another person join the ranks do you know what I mean like I just oh absolutely I can't wait for her who she may be like I can't wait for like her to take her first boat ride after I've taken my last like there's something so awesome about it guys like it's just so cool like I just love it like I I literally just got chills that is such a cool way to think about it. It really is. Yeah. And seeing the cast announcements for Phantom, it always takes me back to being a little girl and going on Broadway.com or Playbill.com and seeing the cast photos for the first time and such. It just, it's a magical memory for me. So whenever they release the new cast announcements, I just get, I feel like a kid again. It's, it's magical. Like, I am so excited for Lucy to make her debut on West yes. End. Yes, like, yes, yes. <laughs> Historic, right? Absolutely. But yeah, I get so excited for Christine's because also like it is like a sisterhood, by the way. And I'm like, oh, you're part of it now. And you don't even know until you're doing it because she's a hard role, man. Like on like every level, physically, psychologically, vocally, like, oh my gosh. Like it doesn't matter if you sing with a mic or not. Like honestly, this is the hardest role I've probably ever done. And like so, but I'm so excited to have like new blood that's like experiencing it and discovering her and you know it's it's so cool so lucy if you're listening i'm so excited for you girl so excited yes so are we i uh think i saw the video of her doing the show must go on uh in london uh, like oh yeah and i was like Uh, yes she's beautiful 
so good. Which I have to say, that was a very similar reaction to the one I had when I saw you do Wishes (laughs) with (laughs) Broadway.com. Just that, I have to go see her. But yeah, I'm obsessed with Christine, if you haven't noticed. I might have not seen Phantom until four years ago, but I feel like I've made up for lost Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You mentioned that there are a lot of harder aspects to playing the role of Christine. Would you like to talk some more about some of those? Sure. Um, Like I said, truly, like, well, on a physical level, um, you know, (laughs) these this isn't complaining. It's just a, it's a fact. I mean, the, the costumes are really heavy. They're like 30, 40 pounds here and there, like back heavy. It's a, it's a metal, majestic is a metal stage. I mean, it's really hard on your body. Um, also what I didn't know until I was in Phantom, I have a, I was actually born with a disability where like I have extra bones in my feet where, um, I was hoping to get them removed, but COVID I couldn't for surgery, but, um, it causes like pretty intense pain being in white shoes and stuff. So, like, truly, it's painful uh, on, like, a physical level. And, like, let's face it, you're getting thrown. And even though, like, everyone on Broadway, like, Ben and, and all the understudies, they're wonderful. They are so um, – they, they're really, like, are you safe? Are you okay? You know what I mean? You feel so safe in their hands. But let's face it, you know, like, you're getting thrown around. You're running up and down stairs. Um, it's, it's really hard on your body. Like, I remember Erin uh, LaCroix, who I had loved so much when, when I got cast, when she found out I was um, uh, going to be young, Christine, she's like, girl, bring ice. <laughs> and she's right. Like, you know, it doesn't matter how old or young you are. I mean, like, she's a, physically, she's, you know, and fun fact, Christine is on stage. Literally, once she gets on for two plus hours, she never stops. You never, ever, ever stop. Whether it's, even if you're off stage, you're literally getting like flung in and out of costumes. You're like guzzling water down. The only quote break you have is at intermission. And it's not even a break because you're like, you're getting dressed in a new dress. You're like, she's a marathon of a role. Phantom is on stage for 18 minutes or something like that. Just FYI. Like there's a huge difference. And like his role is hard too. Don't get me wrong. Um, But like Christine's man, like it's, it's a lot. And also on a vocal level, um, there is a reason you do six and there is a reason it is team Christine with your alternate. And like, if you don't have an alternate that is pro and amazing, it is hard because, um, you, you, you need her. You like, I need Aaron and Aaron, like you need someone that like can give you a rest for a second because you have to refill your glass physically, mentally, your soul and vocally, because like I said, you are singing forever and again it doesn't matter if you have a mic or not because you're singing full out they just turn you down because you can't you can't fake it like that's it is singing and and beautiful singing um and it's also that mix of like opera and classical and music theater and then some straight tone it's such a conglomeration of different styles in one um and it's it's a tour de force and then of course psychologically too to really do her justice you have to go through the ringer every single show, which I love, but also it's a lot. You have to, you have to refill your glass. Your soul needs to be refilled to be able to give that to the audience every day and to give to her because she's a very complicated character like we discussed. And um, it's, it's a lot. Wishing is very difficult for me. You know, like you're talking about your lost father and um, – father figures for those and like it also leaving someone you love or can't be with um feeling betrayed feeling taken advantage I mean it's it's a lot you know so uh 
I, I definitely, and I've seen it on lists. It, she really is one of the most difficult characters, I think, to play. Alphaba's up there, too. I don't know how Alphaba's do eight shows a week. Oh, my gosh. Lindsay Heather Pierce, I love you. I don't know how you do it, girl. You amaze. You amaze. Um, it's it's hard. It's it's challenging. Let's put it that way. It's beautiful. But, it's, I mean, my whole life is, honestly, when I'm in show mode, is about the show. I can't do anything else aside from the show. You just can't. Like, worth it. But, like, you can't. <laughs> Like, you're not going to get through it otherwise. Is there a moment in Phantom that you are the most excited to do when you go back and have this on stage, you know, that goosebumps moment? I don't know. Like, honestly, it's crazy. So a bunch of us got together over COVID. We're like this little group. We're this little motley crew. We're from (laughs) Phantom, Hamilton, Wicked, and Frozen and we're this group and we've done gigs together and our first gig live I sang wishing for the first time in front Mm -hmm. of an audience and I I cried Mm -hmm. I literally like couldn't get through it I was like this is the first time I've sung this since the Broadway shutdown and everyone's like ah and I'm like I like I don't know uh just seeing everyone again that first rehearsal I I actually don't even think it's the stage moment it's going to be seeing everyone and Mm -hmm. human contact connection oh my god the boat ride is gonna be i think it's just gonna be like tears 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 and then i'll get over myself but like i think each moment i mean look all those wonderful things you never take it you never take for granted that you're on broadway or that you're able to do this profession because like i said very few actually make it to this point and continue but (laughs) but to have it literally historically and hopefully once in a lifetime taken away from mm-hmm. all of us artists all around the world yeah. and literally made illegal quite yeah. frankly yep. um, to have it suddenly back mm-hmm. every moment that first moment is going to be really profound and mm-hmm. emotional because like we literally were it was illegal for us to do what we were born to do like I can't even like I'm getting a little emotional thinking about it like, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> like I mean think about that like you were born to do this job and it was taken away and mm. kind of thrown away actually and it and ignored almost. <laughs> and yeah. um yeah. and now we get to do it together. I, I mean like oh yeah, I'm getting I'm getting a little tired. Yeah. I, I, um, <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be magical, guys. Like it and that first show back is gonna be a pressure cooker. It's gonna be really intense it's going to be a lot of pressure but it's also going to be really emotional like everyone there sharing that energy like I dream about it you know it's it's going to be completely imperfect because this is the other thing too like let's face it like we're all out of shape I mean like don't get me wrong we're all getting back into shape but like oh my gosh a year and a half plus off doing what you're used to doing suddenly like you know I'm used to being in my bed, like singing halfway, like for Zoom, let alone like standing up, running around, dancing, and you know. Um, but we're all in the same boat. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, every every moment, honestly. But I, mm-hmm. I think also like the the group number. As much as I love the solos, sharing it, like I love John and I love um, I love Ben so much. Like that first first layer is going to be mm-hmm. our final layer is going to be magic. Like exchanging that energy with them, you know, like just it's the shared moments that I'm most excited about. I mean, like the the girl diva on stage. Sure. I like can't wait. But like mostly it's being together is what I'm most excited for. That is so exciting. 
Yeah. What was getting the news that you were going back like? Well, um, interesting. Because obviously there were many times we got the news that we weren't coming back. So you almost like, for me personally, I, I don't want to believe it until like we're doing it. Because truly COVID, I think, taught, well, definitely me, but hopefully a lot of people, many, many things. But you can't get attached to anything. Like the law of detachment is massive right now. Like until it's happening, then I'll get excited. I'll prepare. But like, I don't want to get my hopes up yet until it's actually happening because so many times it's like this gig happening, taken away this gig. So you, you don't want to like build something up and have the expectation until it's actually you're in the flow. Um, so really just living in the moment. So yeah, of course you're excited, but again, like it's been kind of teased for all of us many times so I mean like and even look like what's happening in in Australia like they're going they're going shut down they're going they're going shut down so I don't I'm cautiously optimistic at this moment and I'm excited but I'm kind of I'm not kind of I'm keeping it in until we're doing it because I we don't know like we can't I think people I mean yeah America strangely enough now is doing much better because man did we suck at first during this pandemic but like a lot of the world I think people are forgetting are not doing well still and it is still here yeah mm-hmm. it is not gone no nope. and nope. so I yeah I don't want to live it fully until it's happening because For sure, yeah. yeah and again like now that we've had it taken away so many times um I don't have the ex- yeah, I don't want to have the expectation of it until it happens. So Yes. Yeah. And I mean I think we all can relate to that. You yeah. Know? We're reopening, we're shutting down. We're reopening, we're shutting down. <laughs> it's a lot, you know. I mean, also another thing that I really, really, really believe, including for myself, everyone, no matter where you are in this world, you have been affected by COVID. It doesn't matter your skin, your religion, your economic status, like you have been well. If you're not wealthy, it's been even worse, right? But, like, um, we're going to all need to heal. Like, we are all collectively Mm -hmm. as a species going to have Mm -hmm. PTSD. And we're going to heal through the arts, I really believe. Um, And so that's also – there's something profound about that, returning to a live audience. Um, It's a great responsibility because it's not just the show, which is the – it is already a great responsibility. It's – it's healing humanity, which sounds so dramatic, but it's actually true. And that is exactly what's going to be happening for years now to recover because we're not even done with this, right? So it's a huge responsibility and also a great gift that we are going to help heal everyone. And so um, I don't take that lightly. And and it's it's a gift to be able to do that. So Yeah, that's, that's really lovely. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you said that. What's so special about live theater is that it truly is an exchange of energy. You're doing that healing and the audience members are giving that healing right back to you. It's going to be a really beautiful environment to be in. Absolutely. I think that's the thing too is like, you know, this is a little preachy too, but it's the truth for any young performers. When you take your bow, particularly if you're a leading man or leading lady, you are not taking it just for yourself. Like you have to remember you're taking it for everyone that's on stage, everyone that's backstage, everyone that's under the theater, everyone that's in the audience. I mean, it is truly an honor to be able to be one of those people that is a star of a show. And it's it's for everyone. And that energy exchange, it, it is true. It really is. 
I mean, that's why Zoom feels so strange, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't feel your energies, really, at yeah. the moment. I can, but I can't. Like, mm-hmm. live is such a different experience. Like, yeah. you really are um, having a unique once-in-a-lifetime moment that will never happen again yep. with that exact mix of energies and human emotions that are coming together. And that is, that's what makes us human, you know? Mm-hmm. So it really is an exchange. It really is not about yourself. It's about everyone. And that's, it's magical. <laughs> I can feel your energy through the camera. Yes, you are such a ray of light. I am feeling so inspired right now and emotional. I am feeling very uplifted and inspired. And this was much needed for me. So thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, likewise, likewise. Thank you, ladies. Thank you.